Thanks, Bex. Um, well, good evening. Um, my name's Steve Young. As, as Becky said, I'm uh, part of the uh, leadership team here, um, and uh, along with Sam and Paul on the eldership, so uh, that's my privilege. Um, those of you who've been with us week by week will, be know, will know that we've been going through the book of Ephesians. Um, over the last, well, last week we looked at um, the whole submission, headship, uh, relationship in marriage. Um, Paul and I have swapped, so we're doing a little out of sequence because um, uh, Paul this morning spoke about children and parents and how the principles of submission and obedience come into the whole parent-child relationship. And then tonight I'm going to talk about work and uh, what that means for the world of, world of work. So just so next week, Paul and I will swap round again, so I'll do it in the morning next week. Paul will speak. Sorry, I will speak in the morning next week. Paul will speak in the evening. So just to get that straight in your minds, otherwise you might hear me twice and miss Paul, which might be good, um, or you might miss me and hear Paul twice. Well, you can judge your own judgment on that. Um, he's not here tonight. I can be rude about him. But um, So, as I say, we're going to talk about the topic of work tonight. Um, and I don't know how you feel as soon as I say that. Um, for many of you, you may be thinking already, Goodness me, you know, five days of the week is bad enough for work without having it on Sunday too. Um, I don't know if that's how it makes you feel when you think about work, um, but some of us can feel like that, can't we? It's a real burden, something we have to go through and, uh, you know, we wish it would end as quickly as possible. But it is, you know, something that is such an important part of so many of our lives. The Bible says quite a lot about work, and I just hope that as we go through today, look at some biblical truths, you'll find fresh strength for your work. You'll start to look at it in a different way. Maybe you're someone who at the moment can't find work, or perhaps you're unable to work. I hope that as we look at some of these truths, there'll be something in there for you to listen and hear from as well. Or maybe you're someone who's retired. Perhaps past work, uh, paid work is in the past for you. Lucky you. But again, I hope to have something to say to you in what I say today. The passage we will be looking at is Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 5 to 9. And those of you who are familiar with that passage will know that Paul addresses it to slaves and their masters. He could have um, picked many occupations, really, to, to talk about. But slaves and masters were a very important element of society at that time. We know in, in our day there are, there's modern slavery as we describe a lot of the slavery that already happens in our day and something that we oppose strongly. But nevertheless, there are Im important principles in Paul's instructions to slaves and workers from Ephesians that we can learn from and principles we can take and apply into our everyday work situations whether we are in a management situation, um, helping others to work well, or whether we are one of those who are employed and uh, looking to uh, the instructions that we get from others. So let's read the passage uh, as a start. Ephesians chapter 6, and verses 5 to 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, 
doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. As I say, this is the third practical illustration of how uh, when we're filled with the Spirit, we should submit to one another in the various relationships that we're involved. For myself personally, I, I feel really quite pleased to have this topic to talk about today. Most of my adult life I've been involved in the secular world. I'm a civil engineer by profession, a um, job which uh, I enjoyed but uh, could be quite demanding. For the first 25 years I worked in a private consultancy firm, general sort of bidding jobs, delivering jobs, managing staff, keeping clients happy and hopefully making a profit at the end of it. For me, I made a big change when I was about 45, and uh, for the last 15 years, I worked for government for the Department for International Pop uh, De Department for International Development, whose mission is the relief of world poverty, and that was for me a positive career change, uh, a move I made to uh, allow myself to get involved in that work. But nevertheless, that involves still the same sort of tasks, engineering managing people and uh, because you're working in government sort of administering government procedures and trying to be accountable in every way and uh, make sure every I is dotted and T's crossed and even in the way I talk about it you can uh, hear there was a degree of frustration in that sometimes but um, but that was what I did and uh, that was what we had to do to, to get the job done. For the last year I've been working for the church here uh, I'm paid three days a week as the operations manager and I do that alongside uh, my eldership role. So that's something of my background uh, in the whole world of work. I'm conscious that our attitudes to work are shaped by many things. Our upbringing, our biblical understanding, our experiences, and I'm no different. For me, my, my parents were born in 1930 and 1931, they're dead now, I'm afraid, but uh, that's when they were born, and that was the time of the Depression, and so their parents put into them a very strong work ethic. You know, you were going to have to work hard. Um, you would need to provide for your family. You'd need to um, uh, work, every, you know, kind of uh, on a regular basis to do the best you could, and that was the kind of work ethic that was passed on to my parents and subsequently passed on to me. I was... Uh, you know, taught that from a very early age. I can almost do the 50 years. I was saved at around uh, 11, I think, not quite 61. Um, so, um, but nevertheless, what that meant was that I had a biblical framework, really, from right from the start when I started work. And I hope and I believe that to some extent that has shaped my attitude to work through my working life. Obviously, I'm going to try and base what I say today on biblical principles, but inevitably, there's a bit of my character comes through in what I say. So my encouragement to you is to listen critically to what I say. Hear what God is saying to you as we go through this message tonight. So let's start by thinking about 
work. And fundamentally, it's my first point, I want to tell you that we have a God who works. Right back at the start of creation, we see God working in Genesis 1, don't we? It says, God created the heavens and the earth. God made the skies and the seas, the sun and the moon. God made all the creatures, and then he created man. Genesis 2, 2 says that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Interesting, isn't it, that even for God, there was a pause built into his work rhythm, setting the pattern for us. You know, have you ever thought about that Sabbath day? Do you think God was tired? I wondered about that. Um, but we know from Isaiah that God never grows weary. Um, he does not grow tired. He does not grow weary. So it's not that God was weary, but it was time to enjoy the fruits of his labor, time to sit back, time to worship, time to uh, enjoy all that he had done. And that's a good pattern, isn't it? I don't know if you're like me, but you'll know that feeling. Maybe you've been decorating the bedroom or something. And uh, at the end of it, when you come into the room and you sit back and you think, yeah, you know, that does look better. Or maybe you've been digging the garden. Is there? It's nothing quite like, is there? A, a big sort of bed all dug over with fresh soil all along the top. And actually we can sort of stand back and we can look at what we've done and we can say, yeah, that's quite good, isn't it? I don't know if any of you follow Alid and Lou Cousins on, on Facebook. Um, Alid's been doing decking at the back of his house now, and uh, I'm not sure if it's just Lou trying to encouraging him, but she puts sort of regular pictures on there, and so we've seen the kind of fill going in, and uh, then there was all the kind of joists laid out, and all with encouraging comments from Lou, you know, about how good it's looking. But you can just imagine, can't you, Alid, in, uh, well... Maybe a few weeks, a few weeks, perhaps, Alid, I don't know. Um, he's going to be sitting on that decking, isn't he? Enjoying a glass of wine, having the fruit of his labor. And you can just imagine that whole picture, can't you? And you can see how that resembles God. On the seventh day, God rested. He looked at what he'd done, and he'd said, yes, this is good. So God is a God who works. But then when man came along, in Genesis 2, it tells us, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So here we are, before the fall, man has just been put into the garden. And even before he sinned, he was given the task of working the garden. Now, those of you who understand about gardening, I'm not a very good gardener, I'm afraid. But there's a hard element, isn't there, to gardening? Whether it's pruning, whether it's planting, whether it's transplanting the things from one place to another, harvesting the crops. These are real work activities. And through tending the garden, man would satisfy his own needs and those of his family. Going just beyond just his own personal needs, as his family grew, the garden would provide that benefit to the extended family as they multiplied. And in keeping that garden, there was that partnership developing, wasn't there, between God who created it and man who tended the garden. 
the type of partnership of man working with God that we see in many areas of life. And so I had this phrase I got from John Stott, and uh, I think it's a good one. I'll read it to you. Work is not a result of the fall to be endured until we get to the new heaven and the new earth. Work is a creative activity that is a reflection of the creative work that our Father does. Get that. Work is a creative, acti creative activity that is a reflection of the creative work that our Father does. That's a brilliant principle, I think. If we start to think like that, I think we start to think about work in a different way. But we do know, of course, that as a result of the work, as a result of the fall, work was spoiled and became harder. Genesis 3 says, verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you. This is after uh, they'd taken the, the apple and sinned against God. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So there is a frustration and there is a challenge that comes with work now. But it's, at its heart, though, work is still something we were created for. We work because we've been created in the image of a creator God who works too. Now, work brings to us many benefits. In our monetized society, there's a clear link between the work that most of us do and earning money. It's, also, it's not just an end in itself, it's a means to an end, providing for our needs. And most of us will need to work in order to feed and clothe our families. We're talking about work that is remunerated in that sense, but I wouldn't at all want to negate roles such as parenting, maybe caring, some of those unpaid work that also we get involved in. But for a lot of us, work will be linked to the financial rewards that it brings. You know, I was encouraged speaking to someone from the morning congregation. His story is that he really wants to be a sound engineer. That's the job he's been trained for. That's the job he aspires to. But you'll know that there's not many sound jobs in Hastings. So for now, he's doing a much more mundane job in order to fulfill his responsibilities to his family. You know, I really commend that attitude. I really admire someone who says, yeah, I'm putting my dreams on hold at the moment because of my responsibility. Of course, when we start talking about financial rewards linked in the work, we need to be careful. The Bible says a lot about money, and 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. The rewards that flow from work can be very important in the provision of our household. However, we need to make sure that striving for those rewards does not lock us into work situations that are not good and cause us other challenges. Earning and creating work, work, wealth is, of course, not inherently bad. When we talk about creative roles, some of the most creative people are those business people who had an idea 
developed it, creating wealth for themselves, but also jobs for many. And you can think of people, can't you, like Steve Jobs or James Dyson, guys who had an idea, and through it, uh, through delivering that idea, have created wealth for themselves, but also benefit for society. So it's just important, I think, that although we link uh, jobs to, to money very often, we mustn't let chasing after greater and greater rewards trap us in a job that has other negative effects. There is a, also a whole benefit to society that comes from the work we do. As preparation for this breach, I was thinking about some of the craftsmen building the temple in Exodus 35. There's a whole wide range of gifts coming together. And we too need a whole range of skills which together get the work function and allow society to function. Whatever we're our part, we need to see the contribution we're making to society as a whole. I don't know if you've heard the story of um, a guy, he went, to, he went to a quarry and there were three chaps there and the sort of stones had been brought out of the hillside and they were being shaped up, you know, and they were bashing away with uh, hammers and with chisels, trying to shape these stones up a bit. And uh, so he came to the first guy and he said, oh, what are you doing there? He said, well, you know, just taking my chisel and I'm knocking a few corners off this block, trying to get it into a bit of a shape. And then when I've done this, there's another one coming on. And I guess that's my whole life is just going to be shaping up, knocking bits off these blocks. Oh, okay, I see what you're doing. And he came to the next guy. He said, what are you doing? Well, actually, this is my job. All I'm doing here is uh, doing this bit of work, but actually at the end of the week, I'm taking 500 pounds home. That's enough to feed my family. And if I keep doing that, I'll get 500 pounds every week. It's going to be okay. I'm just going to keep feeding them. We're all going to do okay. And he comes to the third guy and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm shaping up this block. I'm trying to get these faces perfectly smooth. You know, this is going to go right at the top of that cathedral they're building in town. This is going to be the keystone at the top there. It's going to define the angle of the faces. The whole gutter system is going to come and link into this. Actually, what I'm doing is building a cathedral. And you can see that each of those guys, they were doing the same job but they had a different perspective on what they were doing, a different perspective on the, on the contribution that that work was bringing. How do you see your work? Well, I'm just a BT engineer going around sorting out the wiring problems where someone has screwed up. Oh, okay, well, actually, I'm a BT engineer helping this family get reliable internet so that their kids can study so they can talk to their auntie in Australia, and so that actually they can do their online shopping to help in their busy lives. When we start to see our jobs like that, then there's a greater sense of satisfaction comes as we see the contribution we're making. You parents, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm just wiping their grotty noses again. No, actually, I'm building truth into my children. I'm developing them. I'm helping them to grow into responsible citizens who will love Jesus and take their place 
in society. Here at the Hastings Centre, we have an amazing set of volunteers who count the car park money. And they could have an attitude, couldn't they, of, oh, I'm just counting all the coins that have come in because Graham has asked me to. Alternatively, no, I'm a vital part of banking the money that we're earning through the car park, which is generating profits. That means that this year, we're going to employ a youth worker for the first time. Let's lift our gaze and see the greater contribution to the society and to the community that our work is delivering. Now, I know that work can bring many challenges. It can become a negative area in our lives for many reasons. Sometimes maybe they are related to our attitude to the work but sometimes it's not. Perhaps it's related to the impact of work stress on us, or maybe even the absence of work. And again, I hope that as we explore these principles, provides a basis for you to ask yourself how you can apply these principles that I've laid out into your situations. You know, the latest estimates from the Labour Force Survey show that the total number of working days lost due to work-related stress, depression, or anxiety in 2014-15 was 9.9 million days. And in that year, stress accounted for 35% of all work-related ill health cases and 43% of all working days lost. The survey says that stress is more prevalent in public industries such as education, health, and social care public administration and defence. If you dig deeper, the main work factors cited by respondents as causing those work-related stress were workload pressures, including tight deadlines, too much responsibility, and a lack of managerial support. You know, you may be in one of those roles or suffering stress from work at an unreasonable workload. I think it's probably fair to say when you look at uh, the way that staff numbers are squeezed, jobs expanded, expectation and paperwork increased in some areas, that some jobs probably aren't doable these days. Or you may be asked to do things that you're not qualified to, or perhaps you're just being poorly managed. I don't in any way want to come just with some simplistic response. Clearly the first thing, though, is to try to make sure our heart attitude is right and a godly one. But there may be other responses as well. Important, I think, if your job is not bringing you satisfaction, the satisfaction that you would want, that we need to recognise that our self-worth comes not from success in the work we do, but the fact that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. He's the one who delights in us. And that's not dependent on how well things are going at work. When we're in these stressful situations, we need to cover it all in prayer. We need to seek God and maybe try and bring change where we can. But ultimately, if the demands of a role are more healthy than for us to endure, we may have to think of trusting God and stepping into a different area. Again, there'll be lots of things to weigh up in that.
You know, the unemployment rate in the new ki United Kingdom is expected to be 5.2% by the end of this quarter. And for youth, that rate is just over 12%. Perhaps you can't find work or are physically unable to work as you used to. Perhaps you're caught in that benefit trap that means it's to work is going to cost you. My encouragement would be, as the Bible encourages, don't be idle. Think about what you can do. Maybe it means getting involved on something of, on a voluntary basis. Remember what we saw at the start. Work is an inherent part of who we were created to be. And ask God to help you find a way of working that out in your situation. We've got a congregation where many of us have come or are coming to the point of retirement. I talked about counting the car park money, didn't I? And it's largely our retired folks who do that for us. And I just felt it was just good just to take a moment just to honour the retired folks in our midst who are using their retirement as an opportunity to serve God and the whole church wholeheartedly. It's a vital part of the way the church functions. And people like that can make a huge contribution to the range of roles without actually being employed. So let's take this understanding of work that we've seen and go back to the passage to look at some of the principles that I think come out there. So go back to a chapter, Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 5. And I'll just read it again just to remind you. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. And the first point, I think, comes as we think of Paul addressing masters and slaves it was a common relationship at that time apparently it's calculated in the Roman Empire there were about 60 million slaves and that included domestic servants manual labourers but educated people as well like doctors, teachers administrators now some of those master-slave relationships were bad but in other households slaves had really important responsibilities it's important we mentioned modern slavery at the start, but I don't believe that with passages like this, the Bible is condoning slavery. We know in our day, there are many forms of modern slavery, whether it's trafficking, forced prostitution, and other forced labor. Absolutely, I believe the Bible encourages us to do all we can to, project, project, to protect, prevent the injustices that this forms of modern slavery bring. But for those days, at that time, when slavery was 
just such an inherent part of society. That's not the primary purpose of the passage. The principle of submitting to one another in the marital relationship that we've seen previously comes and is applied here too into the work situation by Paul. In a work situation, we will be under the authority of the boss. Maybe a good boss, maybe a bad boss. But actually the principle here is that we need to respect that authority. It doesn't mean we don't question it, doesn't mean we don't try to influence. But ultimately, if we're respecting authority, we have to function under the direction of our boss and submit to that authority. And actually, I think it's my observation that I believe when we see people very unhappy at work, it can often be because they're just constantly fighting against the authority that's over them. Always trying to usurp that person, trying to go behind that back to undermine them. That's not how God made us to function. Yes, we have a voice and a conscience, but primarily we function under the authority of those God puts over us. And then the passage talks about working wholeheartedly. I love this. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Not just when someone is looking. I don't know about you. I, I try not to look at uh, my personal emails and websites that I might be interested in when I'm at work. But you know what it is. Just the moment you do, because some thoughts cross your mind, someone comes along behind you and is looking over your shoulder at the screen and you have that horrible guilty feeling, oh, you've just caught me out. Rain sometimes if, again, I've got that kind of decorating job to do, you know, she's gone out to the shops, so I've just stopped for a cup of tea and uh, reading a magazine or something. It's bound to be the moment she comes back, isn't it? I thought you were supposed to be decorating. So we get caught out, don't we? We're called to be imitators of Jesus in all we do. We're called to live as he did to act in accordance with Christian character, with integrity, with diligence. It's about us working hard, not gossiping, not backbiting. And I like to think that when we put those values in place, we should be exemplary in the way we do our work. We aren't those taking the shortcuts, cheating on our timesheets, even easing off when no one's looking. Now we work for a higher authority. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And we need to be those who work wholeheartedly, not begrudgingly, letting the fruit of the Spirit be displayed in our work situations. I wonder what the opposite of working wholeheartedly is, and perhaps it is idleness. Paul had a lot to say about that. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8 it says, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. So important, isn't it, that we aren't idle that we're not lazy. If you're like me, it's when my time is not occupied that I can get into all sorts of bad habits. Watching too much TV, 
cruising around the internet on those unhelpful sites. Just poor thought patterns. It's not good to be idle. And I know there can be many valid reasons why people find it difficult to work. Perhaps it's illness, perhaps it's lack of mobility or maybe just lack of opportunity. And I don't want in any way to bring condemnation to you. But it is important though to examine our hearts. Have you got into a pattern of thought and behaviour that has led you into idleness? Important to take steps to get out of that. And my final point is that we work to please God. We work wholeheartedly with our Christian values, not primarily to please man, but because we're working to please our Father in heaven. Verse 7 says, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. You can think of some of the Old Testament characters, people like Joseph, people like Daniel, men who honoured God and were then honoured. Joseph, when Pharaoh's wife tried to get him to sleep with her, said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Not, I'm going to be sinning against Pharaoh, not I'm going to be singing any other way. He was looking to God. I will be sinning against God if I do that. And he knew that he was responsible only to God. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank because he knew that he was working there to please God. Verse 8 of the passage tells us it's God who rewards we receive back from him and both Daniel and Joseph were honoured by God in their roles because of their faithfulness. We work for earthly rewards, our paycheck at the end of the month. But more than that, we work for the heavenly reward of our fathers, well done. I don't know about you, but I'll be so pleased if when I get to see my father face to face, he says, well done, Steve. You were faithful in that role. You held to your values. You didn't lie or cheat. Well done. And that will be enough for me. Our citizenship is in heaven, isn't it? We're not looking only at this life. We obey our bosses as we obey Christ. doesn't mean we compromise our principles and beliefs. In my time, I've had a, a range of bosses. Some of them good, some of them not so good. But for me, I think I've always carried this sense of not just working for the boss in front of me, but seeing them as part of God's overall picture. Not undermining them, but I'm actually working for a higher purpose. My role is to bring the kingdom of God into this workplace. I try and respect their authority, but when they say to me, oh, could you just tell that person I'm not here? I can't do that. When an agent starts talking to me in the conversation about the backhanders needed to win a contract, that's not a conversation I'm going to repeat or pass on to my boss. If I feel my boss is being unfair to someone, trying to put them down, I'll be looking at ways around that. How can I build them up? How can I help them? Or perhaps you are the boss. The passage says, do the same to them. In other words, as the employee is to be conscious 
that though they to be conscious that they are acting as though they are working for Jesus, so you must manage in the same way. Strong words, isn't there, for you not to manage by threatening behaviour. Feeling that responsibility of displaying the fruits of the Spirit as you bring your management to the people working for you. I think some of the hardest situations for me in a management situation have been where there's poor performance. How do you show the love and the grace of God when addressing that? I do think it's possible but sometimes we have to be confident. Although we may be having to take difficult decisions, our conscience is clear and we're genuinely doing it for the good of that person. Ultimately, we work to please our Father in heaven and to bring his kingdom into the situations where we find ourselves. So my time has gone really, but just as we recap I'd like us just to remind us we've seen that we are made in the image of God our work is a creative activity a reflection of the work that our father does works designed to bring satisfaction and to serve the community paid work allows us to provide for our families but we can be robbed of the benefits of work. Sometimes that can be because we've lost sight of the ways in which God tells us to approach work. But it can be because we're in bad situations of work, as we talked about. And so I guess just to end, I'd like to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute. And I just want to pray for breakthrough in some of these difficult situations for courage for us when we need to make bold decisions pray for wisdom for us to know God's leading as we make choices maybe to pray that in your work situation you will be salt and light in the midst of ungodliness and pray for you maybe if you've been prompted that perhaps you've become a bit lazy a bit idle that you'll be able to take the steps to address that. That God will open up opportunities for you. So maybe I'll just ask you, sitting for a long time, do you understand? Let's just pray this whole area of work. Yeah, Father God, I just want to thank you that your word is so practical, Lord God, so relevant to every day of our lives. Lord, I thank you that you created us in your image, Lord God. Lord, that as you worked in creation, Lord God, Lord, you cause us to work to that creative activity that's a reflection of your work of creation, Lord God. Lord, I just pray, even now, that you'll come and just touch our hearts, Lord God, where maybe our attitudes to work have not been the right ones, where we've been unhelpful in the way we've thought about work. Holy Spirit, won't you come? Won't you just bring conviction now, Lord God? Help us to see things in a different light, Lord God.
Lord, help us to take pleasure in our work, Lord God. Help us to be those who are obedient, who obey the bosses that we work for, Lord God. Lord, the work wholeheartedly. Lord God, that see you as the ultimate one, Lord God, that we do our work for. Father God, and where maybe we've got attitudes of laziness and idleness have crept into us, Lord God. Lord, I pray, just help us now, even now. Lord, just to resolve that we will address those areas, Lord God. Lord, that we'll take steps to move away from that. Lord, and into a better place, Lord God. And Father, I pray, I pray for those who find themselves in stressful work situations, Lord God. Lord, not of their own making. Lord, I pray that you would just draw very close to those people, Lord God. Lord, that they would know your assurance, Lord God. Lord, that, Lord, your worth, Lord God, the worth you put upon them, Lord God. Lord, it's not related to performance at work, the work job we do. But Lord Jesus, your heart is for each one of us, your beloved sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord God, Lord, that we stand secure in that. But Lord, I do pray. I pray that where there are work situations that are unsatisfactory, Lord God, Lord, you'll help us to bring change. You'll help us to, uh, maybe if necessary, Lord God, Lord, get out of those situations, find alternatives to them. Lord, we pray just for your hand to be upon each one here now, Lord God. Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, for those of us who find ourselves in situations where we can't work at the moment. Lord, for whatever reason. Lord, I pray. Lord, I, I don't want any sense of conviction to be upon those, Lord God. But Lord, I just pray that you will help them, Lord, in their situations. Lord, to find out how to work out for themselves what it means to be living in the image of a God who created us to, for work as he works. Lord, please help us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Santino.